Sink to the Bottom by Fountains of Wayne, uh, whose uh, lead singer, lead songwriter, writer, Adam Schlesinger, uh, died of the coronavirus, I guess, a couple weeks ago now, uh, the age of 52. Uh, yeah, you just told me about this. Hmm. That fucking sucks. That guy was like a genius songwriter. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, that Thing You Do, pretty hmm. amazing pop song. <laughs> Uh, all of like, I mean, his work with Fountains of Wayne, and then uh, you know they had him write the songs for, uh, I think it was called Words and Music. Uh, it was yes. Hugh Grant, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hugh Grant, uh, Drew Barrymore vehicle, um, and they're like really good songs. Um, I think he w- he was basically like a factory songwriter who just happened to exist immediately post Weezer, and so yes. <laughs> his perfect. Uh, bubblegum pop songs have uh, have distorted guitars, and the lyrics are uh, sardonically self-effacing. Um, and otherwise, he's just a genius songwriter. He is. I wanted to go back to and listen to his uh, more indie alternative band Ivy from before Fountains of Wayne, which I feel like I was not cool enough to listen to back in the day. But uh, I, I'm still not cool enough, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yes, it's uh, sucks that he is dead already. Um, didn't even. Yeah, I bet get he to... was the kind of guy who could write a great song when he's eighty-five too. You know? Yes, yes. Um, didn't even seem to have a rock star life to blame for it. So, Jesus. Um, uh, I guess Fountains of Wayne. Uh, I think. I feel like I was familiar with them a little before their period of peak popularity because uh, they opened for the Smashing Pumpkins and were on James and Darcy's record label briefly, Scratchy oh, Records. Oh, I forgot that, yeah. Or Imprint of Virgin. I totally forgot that. Yes. Back when every rock star got a vanity label. I know. Just a subsidiary of a big label. James and Darcy got one. I mean, come on. Ah, uh, let's uh the the scratchy retrospective episode is next week. So. Yes, yes. Uh I kind of think Fountains of Wayne may have been there by far the most popular <laughs> band on it. Um oh, 
Anyway, great band. I loved Fountains of Wind when they were on the radio, but I never really bought their CDs. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I was quite at that level with them, but uh, that song we just heard, Sing to the Bottom, I definitely listened to that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Paul later, Adam Schlesinger, was in a band with Taylor Hansen, James Eha, and Bun E. Carlos from Cheap Trick. Called that Tint- sounds like a good band. Tinted Windows. It was extremely poppy, but it was good. Yeah, that's pretty poppy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, James Eha is by far the hardest guy in that band. <laughs> yes, that does. Well, <laughs> the drummer of Cheap Trick. Uh, Cheap Trick was a pop band, man. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like they were like, they still, that was they were from the time when like pop rockers lived like the full okay. on rock oh, life. I guess I meant like musically the hardest guy, but I agree. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Cheap Trick probably partied harder than James Eha did. Yes, yes. Uh, the Hanson Brothers probably partied harder than James Eha did. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. At least one of them had to develop a serious alcohol problem. Yes. Uh, um, it was the girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Paul, we have an opening bit. Um, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I should... Should I have said, okay, R.I.P. Adam Schlesinger. I should no, feel like no. I, maybe I should close that segment. Um, we're going to honor his memory by uh, uh, doing what everyone in quarantine on Instagram is doing and filling out some dumb meme screenshot. Um, All right. I found one that I was excited about. It's a 2010s indie uh, NCAA March Madness style bracket. Um, mm-hmm. with bands positioned on it, uh, you know, to in various seatings as decided by uh, some uh, adventurous Instagram uh, denizen. Um, yes. So we're relying upon their taste um, yeah. in the seating. So there could be some early outs of bands that we would have seated higher. <laughs> it's, imp- it's important yeah. to note we are not responsible for the seating. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, there aren't even numbers on the version I'm looking at, so it's not clear what the seeds are. Well, I'm just the typical NCA bracket would have the first seed at the top uh, in each in each region. First seed at the top, second seed at the bottom. Then you're right. Yeah. yeah. So then, I guess you can, I guess yeah four and then that. yeah. So like Mac DeMarco and Colts are like four or five, and Foxygen and Bonavere would Bonavere would oddly enough be like a three three seven matchup within that. Yes, Region. that's three, correct. Six, yeah, yeah. Three, six, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Oxygen's got to be the same. Wow, St. Vincent is seated way low here. Um, yes. Um, uh, so Tough um, first round matchup. Let's get, let's get into it. I say we blow through. I guess there's yeah. There's only 32 total here, yeah. right? Well, but then we have to do the, the, the next round. Or yes, yes. But, round. I mean, there's <laughs> we're starting with 32 rather than 64. Just yeah, if yeah. Not, yeah. Exactly. So let's blow through the first round relatively quickly. I'll just read them, and you tell me your choice, and I'll tell you if I disagree. All right. Okay. We start with MGMT and Deer Hunter. This is uh, – I'm instantly going with a big upset Deer Hunter. Uh, yeah, but I agree completely. Uh, yeah. Um. MGMT has like two awesome singles. Yes. Otherwise, yes, and they're they're a suitably weird band, but they have not produced several classic albums by Deer Hunter. Like Deer Hunter, I should say, uh, my criteria is just what band is better. Like no else, no same. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not like Q rating or any of that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> most politically correct. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, okay, back to Marco and Colts. Um, I th- feel like I like Colts, but I can't remember their music off the top of my head, and I really like Mac DeMarco. So, Typing him. Um, Foxygen and Bon Iver. How is Bon Iver a lower seed than Foxygen? That yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, we're going to pretend Bon Iver is the three here. That's he's an obvious top three seed. He should uh, definitely not higher. Probably be the first seed over MGMT. Frankly. Yeah, but this guy's been on fucking Kanye albums. So that's um, a that's a bone of air. Yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. Fox just not enough good songs. Yeah, Vampire Weekend of Saint Vincent. Wow, what a matchup here. Yeah, this is vicious. Yeah, um, I have to go with Vampire Weekend. Because, same, same. Yeah. I think they're just too good. Their third album is so good. Yeah, uh, I don't. Ha- There's no Saint Vincent album I love as much as that one. So. Yeah, Vampire Weekend. Their first and their third just combined is yeah. yeah. And um, Saint Vincent is awesome. Like this, this sucks. Yeah, for Saint I feel like she's more of a singles person for me though. I like her songs more than I like. Yeah, fair enough. Dig her. I might like her live more than I like her on album. Oh, so. there you go. <laughs> um, okay, moving on to the next bracket. We're going down Purity Ring versus Real Estate. Hmm. Uh, this is a matchup uh, I think you should pick because I don't really have a strong opinion. Okay, I've been thinking about this. I lo- I love I like both bands a lot, um, but I think I think I have to go with real estate uh, oh, because wow. they um, ultimately I just think they're a better band. I think they have more. I think there's a lot more in, um, interesting work on their albums and Purity Ring, who do one thing extremely well. Yeah, fair enough. I'm a little surprised just because I know there's a, at one point there was some Purity Ring song you were like really into. Oh, I love them. I mean, I got their new album. Yeah. It's uh, really good, but it's also the Purity I, Ring. You would not be. <laughs> no one would be able to tell which of their albums like any of the songs are from. Yeah. Um. Uh. Next one. Uh. Man, Beach House oh, versus Cloud Nothings. Yeah. So at yeah. four five, you know that's fair. These bands should be mm-hmm. seated near each other. Um, at least maybe they should both be higher if you ask me, but I can see how in the general sense yeah. they come in at this range. And uh, I'm really sorry to Beach House, who um, don't do quite enough different things uh, for me. It, you know, you could even argue Cloud Nothings doesn't have as many good albums as Beach House, but I really love those Cloud Nothings albums, and I'm going that way. I suppose I don't have as much as I love Beach House. I don't have a strong enough opinion about their like later albums to really like. Well, yeah, I feel like they're kind of like doing ninety-two percent as good of a version of the same. Like they, you know, they had a yeah. slow, gentle rise, and they've had a slow, gentle descent, and it's all really good. Yeah, um, I'll I'll accept Cloud Nothings mostly because I think that it's okay. Because as much as like I like Beach House, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they'd survive too far in the uh, in the brackets. I mean, just actually, I, 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 either one, one of these bands would win the second round for me. Uh, that's true. Um, uh, okay, we'll get ahead ourselves. Father John yeah. Misty versus Washed Out. Wow, <laughs> um, pretty douchey matchup there. Wait, which one is Washed Out again? <laughs> that's the theme song to Portlandia, uh, which I have never watched once. Yes. Um, Oh yeah, this guy. Okay, I actually like his music. Yeah, I is accept. He a douche. I just feel like the music is very like. It is very chill, bro. Yeah, chill, bro. Um, yeah. 
This one, I choose him, but we have our <laughs> fights about Father John Misty. <laughs> I would probably choose. Fa- I would choose Father John Misty, but I'll I'll give you this one uh, in the spirit of it being a joint effort here. Yeah, I mean, I will say uh, sometimes I do listen to Father John Misty. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. I just think the guy is an asshole. Right. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, we've talked about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Grizzly Bear and Big Thief. Fuck. Yeah, that seems just un- why can't either Father John Misty or Washed Out go up against Yeah. those two. Um ah, it's a big thief for me pretty clearly actually. Yeah, I think that probably there are people who are have been into indie. Yeah, yeah, I would say if your if your taste and experience is more weighted to the to the whole decade than to the last 5 years, yeah. uh, you might you would might choose Grizzly Bear. Yes, good way to put it. Um, but yeah, Big Thief has had four albums, and all four of them are awesome. So yeah, Big Thief. Grizzly Bear is. does not have four awesome albums. No. Um, okay, now I have to. Let's see how I can do this. All right, I'm just typing over the bracket, which like oh. on Microsoft Word. So I would remember what we said for the most part. So. Yeah, that's this is more fun. I can take a screenshot <laughs> of it. Um, Perfect. Matt and Kim versus Passion Pit. I don't really care. Yeah, I have no opinion on Matt and Kim, and I like yeah. Passion Pit a bit, so we'll go yeah, Passion, Passion Pit. Yeah, Passion Pit it is. <laughs> That's um, about how I feel. <laughs> uh, Dirty Projectors versus Fleet Foxes. Well, yeah, yeah. I think we we uh, the, our disagreement on Dirty Projectors aside, I feel like we'd both pick Fleet Foxes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Fleet Foxes is seated way too low at five here or whatever. Yes. Um. Tame Impala versus Yaysayer. Like honestly, Matt and Kim is a number one seed. What we glossed yeah, over that, that way just, too quickly. That just yeah, that's like this is a popular seeding. Actually, with, look at all the one seeds. Yes, Th- they're stupid. This, um, these are the well, but those are probably the, I don't know about Matt and Kim, but the other three are probably like the like the most popular most ones, widely popular. Although Tame Impala is also extremely popular. Yeah, I feel like Tame Impala has to be high. They're like yes. a three here. Yeah, yeah, this is weird. Meanwhile, the drums are a two, which is insane. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I think Tame Impala easily over. Ye- yeah, I, yeah, I can't even name a Yaysayer like. Song. They're really, I really enjoy Yaysayer, but they're they're much more of a niche. I think their name is slightly annoying to me, and so I never listen to them. Um. The drums and cut copy, I really don't care much. Uh, so I slightly can... I, I find the drums music listenable, but also incredibly indie bland. Mm-hmm. And when I saw them opening for somebody else... Uh, I saw whatever. them open for someone, too. Yeah, the guy had the most self-consciously, on-purpose, bad hipster haircut that I couldn't take him seriously. Yeah. You know, it was like... He gave himself this shitty uh, baby bang bowl cut that the only reason you would do that is to be the guy with the bad haircut. Mm-hmm. And that was annoying. Wow. Uh, yes. And then I can't uh, cut copy. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, I like some cut copy songs, but that's kind of my extent. I All don't right. know. Well, 
You 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 pick then. <laughs> we'll just say cut copy. It doesn't matter. Right. This band, whatever band, is going to lose to Tame Impala. Yeah, actually, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, then we have Grimes versus the War on Drugs. Grimes for me. Yeah, I think so. Um, no, no, no slight to the War on Drugs. They're a fine band. No. Um, local natives versus Neon Indian. I like this matchup just because these names blur together in my head anyway. These yes. Band names. Um, I gotta go local natives. I actually find some of Neon Indian songs kind of boring. I, Neon Indian is not interesting, and local natives uh, yeah. have ruled uh, pretty well at points. Uh, we have Sufjan versus Angel Olsen. Sorry, Angel. That's just <laughs> yeah, not even fair that Sufjan was the three seed. No. Um, and then we have Sleigh Bells versus Crystal Castles. I'm taking Crystal Castles personally, but you like Sleigh Bells, I think. Uh, no, but I think Sleigh Bells are like overrated in terms of being like a talented band. Yeah, yeah, I, I get where like this is a fun gimmick, and you know, yeah, you need to listen to the one best Sleigh Bells song, and that's mostly it. Yes. Um, okay, so now we have Deer Hunter versus Mac DeMarco. We're down the second round. Okay, that's an easy Mac DeMarco for me. Hmm, I would be much more into Deer Hunter here. Really? Okay. Well, you gave me the last one, so I'll let you. Yeah, and just, have your choice just for the uh, the uh, you know the the next round. And I would forth. say that their main thing is that as much as I think Mac DeMarco has a ton of great songs, like his songs are too are very monochromatic um, compared to Deer Hunter's vast well, array he, of pop and rock and experimental. Work. It is weird though because Mac DeMarco does a lot of weird shit, but it mm-hmm. does somehow all kind of add up to the same thing. Yes. Yeah. When um, you're that chill. Yeah. But I would say I'm just not that into Deer Hunter. Like I like them fine. Right. Right. Um, if it were Deer Hoof, we would have a conversation. Interesting. Anyway. Um. Yeah, I'm sure there's some. There are definitely some real. Uh, uh, exclusions from this list, but um, yeah, so well, it goes. The, you can only have 32 bands, yes. Like Radiohead isn't on here. Do they count as indie? No, uh, yeah, that's a long diversion. Well, I mean, they don't even have a record label, so <laughs> yes, I think in the 2010s they've been well, their physical releases, like non special, have been released on XL Records. Oh, um, really? Okay, yeah, I'm sure whatever arrangement they have with them is like a you rent us your infrastructure situation. Yes. Yeah. Um, we won't get into it. I think Tom yeah. York may actually be on XL. And then, yeah. Anyway, uh, um, Bon Iver versus Vampire Weekend. Uh, it's easy Vampire Weekend for me. Uh, yeah. I, lo- I like Bon Iver a lot, but Vampire Weekend is uh, transcendent at times. And yeah. I- so is Bon Iver. But, yeah. Uh, I think in the end, Bon Iver is like, loses just for being a touch gimmicky even as he makes yes. fantastic music i would agree it's a little self-consciously i'm being weird here yeah um okay we have real estate versus cloud nothings that's so cloud nothings to me yeah i think so i think cloud nothings is a fantastic band um i think real estate is underrated in that matchup but still um, yeah. And we have Washed Out versus I'm just typing Big Thief. Yep. Okay, good. Don't need to discuss. <laughs> um, okay, on the other side, we have... It's funny, though, because Washed Out and Big Thief didn't release relevant music within, like, three years of each other. Yet, here, here they are in 2010's Indie against each other. 
Wash, I think Washed Out had an album that came out last year that got some play on. I, okay, fair enough. Indie radio, but no, I, I definitely they're like from different yeah. parts of the the decade. Yeah. Um, Passion Pit versus Fleet Foxes, easy. Okay, yeah, sure. Yep. Fleet Foxes. These uh, weird seedings are coming back. Yeah. Uh, was it Tame Impala versus Cut Copy? Just yeah, it doesn't matter. Tame, Tame Impala. Uh-huh. Uh, we've okay, so now we have Grimes versus Local Natives. Uh, okay, so this is interesting because this is like the first mm. one where you could argue there's a political dimension to the choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the well, Grimes broke up with the Elon Musk. Well, oh, okay. Did she have his baby yet? I mean, out? she thinks she's imminent. Yes. Okay. Wow. Broke up before the birth, though. Damn. Well, they broke up before and got back together and have broken up all while she's pregnant. I mean, honestly, I don't think either one of them could have a stable relationship with anybody. No. So, yeah. Them together, it's not even sad. It was just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they're probably happy being that way. Uh, I think Elon Musk <clears throat> genuinely enjoys being a huge nerd like a like a failing flailing nerd mm-hmm. on the public stage and it's actually fun for him yes um <laughs> anyway uh okay so my point here is um there's a lot of grimes music that i really love including especially the first half of her latest album which we have not discussed mm-hmm. um i mean all of it but especially the first half um but there's also a lot of local natives i really love and then it's like, I don't know, when I'm doing this kind of thing, I start to think, like, should I... I guess we already said it's just who's the better band. Be- but if you counted cultural relevance, like, at all, I mean, Grimes would have such a huge edge. In well, yeah, factor. I think we'd say, yes, I think for the wider music public, Grimes would probably be an easy win here. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, per- personally, I'd pick local natives because okay. I-, I do love you know i love me some grimes but like local natives first two albums are just like okay i say we go with local natives yeah because like i kind of have like similar ish degrees of uh, regard for both bands yeah hi in both cases okay yeah i'll be the swing vote here um <laughs> when there are two votes <laughs> well it was deadlocked on the other vote that's true um um uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, so then we have it's Sufjan. Sufjan. Yeah, Sufjan <laughs> beats out Crystal Castles. Um, okay, so now we're at the we're at the Elite Eight. Um, yeah. No, we. Uh, yeah, we are now. You're right yes. Say. Yes. Uh, so Deer Hunter versus Vampire Weekend. We're going Vampire Weekend. Mm-hmm. Um. Now we have Cloud Duthings versus Whoops. Big Thief versus Big Thief. Fuck. That's a tough one. Okay. Mm. Um, I'm really trying to be like, which is better? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I can, I can, I think I can break it down a little bit. To me, Cloud Nothings. So both bands are just awesome and make great, incredible music and are um, uh, unique unto themselves uh, in in important ways that are, you know, they're they're very distinctive. Um, uh cloud nothings like scratches a sort of like the itch that can never be scratched enough for me of just the sort of like um psychotic hard rock uh mode 
um, that ultimately, like, you know, if if that mode of music at its best is my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like Big Thief might be, in a lot of musical ways that I respect, a more interesting and accomplished band. Yeah, that's I'm, it is tough because they're both so good at doing what they do. And mm-hmm. I do wonder if that like palette is just a little wider for Big Thief. So yeah, like the amount they're able to do. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Cloud Nothings is is probably the best hard indie rock band of the 2010s. I don't know. They're like the best version of the hardcore tradition that came out of the 80s and gave us Nirvana and all that stuff. You yes, know totally. Um, that we have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, hmm. Those are both, I mean, yeah, so they, you've got that, and then you've got, like, a sort of um, uh, a near-God level, like, just sort of um, uh, almost a sub-genre-less songwriting talent in Big Thief. Yeah. Um, you know... <laughs> I think I think I have to go with the songwriting talent over the sort of uh, sound and aesthetic and yes. Big Thief here. I think that's I think that's true. I think there's something about Big Thief where, yeah, ultimately if you're playing, if you're playing their songs just like on acoustic guitar, yeah, like Big Thief songs are going to be better. Yeah, exactly. It's not the only criteria, but it's the one we need here. Yeah, um, and it's it's a good yeah man. This is the first one where thinking about it made me like. Um, consider the, the like uh, think about new things about the the bands in in question. Yes, yes. I you mean know, the other ones a little bit, but especially that one. I think I think I have to go back. I think I have to change to Grimes from Local Natives. I think oh, Grimes really? is better. I think that's. I think she. You feel like the Local Natives thing is a little bit of like it's just your personal thing too much. Yeah, I think if Local Natives, if they're if it was like albums and it was their first album, like Gorilla Manor, like I yeah. might pick that over Eddie Grimes' album. But that would be that's a fair choice. Actually. Yeah, yeah. So I think, but that's, Grimes is like feels visionary in a way. You know yes, what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Um, so going back, pick putting Grimes there. Um, man, so our next al- uh, matchup in the Elite Eight is Fleet Foxes versus Tame Impala. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, um, so as much as Tame Impala might have released, like, my favorite rock album of the decade mm-hmm. in their first one, that's, that's not true, but it's close. It's, like, top three. Yeah. Um, uh, Fleet Foxes has more great albums, I, for, for me personally. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree completely, you can see. Especially after the latest, latest Tame Impala, which we've not discussed, I can't remember. Yeah, the latest Tame Impala was not a great showing. Uh, I I literally listened to it and I could not tell you one thing about it except I remember being like this is I we're not talking about Tim and Paul right now but I I, no, I no, couldn't describe it I couldn't describe it in a useful way to you gotta have a good diversion um I I heard it described very well as um the album by someone who would much rather be producing pop music yeah well he should do that because he's really good at it yeah but I mean I think he's he's kind of over being tame impala yeah he's over writing songs and uh you know sort of like 
moping uh, about, you know, I, that's fair enough. His yeah. life is probably pretty good. He probably doesn't feel that mopey anymore. Yes. <laughs> but he yes. doesn't know what else to say. He's probably just like sitting there stoned amongst a bunch of recording equipment that he gets to fuck with for fun all the time and just feeling pretty good. And he's like, well, I can't. I don't know how to write a song about feeling pretty good, which can be done, but maybe he doesn't know how. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, he, he's done a couple good ones, but they're just not standout ones, you know? Yeah. Um, if Current Tame Apollo was, like, a new band, I would probably have a much better opinion. That's – I would probably be, like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. I don't think I would buy this album, but the previous one I would have liked more than I did if it was their first yes. album. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the previous one has gotten a little underrated by – through that yes yes (laughs) um uh okay so fleet foxes so then the last matchup now is grimes versus sufjan fuck uh okay so what does sufjan actually okay does this matter are we considering only Uh, what he's released in the 2010s hmm because that's that's a that's a critical question in this particular case because Okay, so the Age of Odds, yeah, was 2010. Yeah, so we and have we've got we have that and Carrie and Lowell as his main albums. But are there any other side or sub, you know, sub album uh, releases worth considering? In there's the well, there's the the couple of songs, including the not Oscar nominated one from "Call Me by Your Name," which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of what it's called right now. Um, uh, but um, let me see. I'm looking at his discography now. Um, you know, I saw him do his weird planetarium thing with the guy from the National. Um, just oh. kind of like a sh- a show and like a weird symphonic piece. Yeah. Um, oh, and there was that SSS thing he did with uh, Serengeti and somebody else, which was kind of interesting. Um. Okay, I th- I don't think there's anything that rises to the level of needing to be included in the score. I think if we include Michigan and Illinois and Seven Swans, then this is a wash for Sufi. Yeah, it should be noted that the uh, he did, in addition to the Age of Odds, like there was the EP that was released at the same day. I don't know, like a couple, like all delighted people. Oh yeah, which is like oh, it was released two two like six weeks beforehand, and yeah, it has like the amazing title song. Yeah, and then the, he's got like some Christmas music and stuff, probably. Yes. Um. All right, I think if the thing is, Carrie and Lowell is so good that I might choose him even if it is only the 2010s. Um, because again, as much as I love Grimes, she almost lost to Local Natives for us. Um. Yes. True. I think, I think I gotta go with Sufjan, but maybe that's just because uh, I too uh, was raised evangelical and am gay, like him. Yes, uh, I think that that I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's got it's gonna be Sufjan. I mean, he 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 did release two. Both those albums are unbelievably good. Yeah, I think they're. Good. I mean, I. Uh, Age of Odds is really good, but I don't know if it's among my personal favorites. Um, but Carrie and Lowell is so good. Yes. Um, um, 
I think both of these people will be known three decades from now. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, let's see here. That leaves us in the final four. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to hurry this up or this could be the entire episode. Well, actually, the main conceit of the episode can go really fast. So this is fine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, play the theme song 60% of the way into the episode. I was thinking about how cool it is that we can do that. Yes. Um, okay, so final four. Um, uh, our final four. I should just mm-hmm. let's let's go through it. It's Vampire Weekend versus Fleet Foxes at the top. And Fuck. at the bottom, it's Big Thief versus Sufjan Stevens. Okay. And to reiterate, this is best 2010s music. Okay. Um, I just realized, Joe. I know. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I know I know that you know what I'm going to say. Yes. How is Car Seat Headrest not in this bracket? Ah, uh, I thought you were going to say that you realized that uh, – Vampire Weekend's first album was not released into the 2010s. No, no, I knew that. Okay. Um, I was thinking about that earlier, but it didn't matter in any of the previous discussions. Okay. Um, but I, I was just thinking about that final four, and I was like, "Fuck, I think we got the right final four. And then I was like, "Is there anybody? <laughs> if, fuck, car seat headrest." So would you? Yes, car seat headrest is missing. Would you? Okay, so let's wild card. Yeah. We have this final four, Vampire Weekend, Fleet Foxes, Big Thief, Sufjan. Would you replace any of these four bands with Car Seat Headrest? Would they okay. Would they beat any of these bands? Before we do that, let's just make sure there's nobody else. Just quick mental inventory. Let's see. Nothing is coming, obviously, to mind. Um, okay, so I'm just looking. Like Joanna Newsom's in the 2010s isn't really there. Um, I'm just looking at so okay so Parquet Courts is not on this list oh that's a good that's actually they should have absolutely like fucking cut copy gets in over Parquet Courts yeah um, I think there there's a couple like I wouldn't put Matt and Kim in over Parquet Courts it depends whether you think Arcade Fire is the suburbs which was released in 2010 would be enough to you know what man your opinion on Arcade Fire has like infected my opinion of them <laughs> I'm sorry no, I think you're right. That's the way um, it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I, that album is still good, but I, I, they're a yes. little bit ridiculous. Anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's bands like Mitski, but I don't think she's. Ooh, actually, I'm surprised Mitski's not on here. Yeah. Um, again, she's better than Yaysayer. Um, yes. Uh, so yeah, Carsey. But like, as far as like uh, top, you know, we're talking about top five level. Um. Yeah. Um, the car seat headdress is the only band for me that I can yes, think of. Easily, yes, Japan which is Droids. All this exercise deserves. Yeah, Japan Droids, great. They yeah. probably should have mentioned, but they're not top five. Future Islands is, yeah, not top five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think. Um, okay. Kurt Vile isn't qualifying. No, and the War on Drugs made it. That's kind of the same thing. Yeah, okay, so I think, yeah, I think Car Seat Headrest, and I would have liked to have seen Parquet. Parquet Courts would have made it pretty far on this, but not to this yeah. point. Uh, they were Elite Eight for sure. Yes. Um, 
So car seat headrest, do you see replacing any of these four? Wh- with which, were, which were they again? We have Vampire Weekend, Big Thief. Fleet Foxes and Sufjan. Uh, um, hmm. If we're doing 2010s only, I honestly think they beat Sufjan. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And because Fleet, Fleet Fo- Foxes, Fleet Foxes first album was also like 2008 or something. Yes, so we only have their their second two, which is fine. Yeah, I'd probably uh, take them over Car Seat Headrest. I don't think I would. I think the two Car Seat Headrest album, like official releases plus the live album, are enough for me. Um, and I look. I mean, the thing is, I love. I, I feel like they need to have a little bit more depth, and I'm not sure – or depth of catalog, you know what I'm saying, like more things in it. Um, and they might not even come because it's – they're not uh, – it would be a lot to ask them to release another album as good as um, – Teens, Teens of Denial. Of, Teens of Denial, yeah. But um, I just love that album so much. <laughs> like it's – it's my favorite album of the decade. Probably. Here's here's what we should do. There should be like yeah. they they should be the spoiler. Then at the end, let's pick these two, okay. and then when we get to our finalists, let's see if Car Seat Headrest beats them. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so we have Vampire Weekend versus Fleet Foxes. Um, I'm going with Fleet Foxes barely. I agree. I think that their two their best two albums are the ones in this decade. Yeah. Whereas Vampire Weekend. They're yeah. self-titled is not in this decade. So fair enough. That's tough. Um, yeah. These these produced good choices at the end. All right. Yes. And so now we have Big Thief versus Sufjan. Uh, uh, for doing the decade only. Yeah. Uh, I, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um. Let's see. I think that's uh. probably Big Thief for me. I, th- I I I I don't want to say it, but I think I have to say it because I think that Sufjan is not. If we count Sufjan's dicking around music against him, then I think that also yes. would help tip the scales a little bit. No, I just think Big Thief. I mean, there when it comes down to it, there's again just so much music from this decade that's good. Yeah, um, uh, it's such a variety that. You know, all uh, since the founding of this podcast. Yes, yes, I think Big Thief would be. I mean, Sufjan from the previous generation versus previous previous decade versus this Big yeah. Thief. That would be quite a matchup there. I mean, I think Sufjan would win, but I, I agree. Big I think Suf. I mean, Sufjan is like just almost unstoppable. It's like him versus like Radiohead and Kendrick. If you start doing those things, anyway. Yes. Yes, um, totally. Yeah, if you include yeah. those, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, the all-time, like, Savage Beast picking our favorite artist, like, would be. Yeah. Um, it'd probably end up being Radiohead. Yeah, well, with, after after the Smashing Pumpkins take the first eight spots, then. Yes. Um. Okay, so our final, our final, uh, 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 we're going to thruple. Yeah. Um, the final <laughs> matchup would be Fleet Foxes and Big Thief, but we're also bringing Car Seat Headrest in from the side. You know what? I I feel good taking Big Thief. Or, or sorry, Car Seat Headrest, actually. 
I think I think I would do car seat headdress, big thief, fleet foxes would be my order on these. Hmm, that's a good thing. How would I order them? I would order them. I definitely need to listen to all of their albums again. Mm-hmm. Let's take an eighteen-hour break. Um, <laughs> and we're back. Okay, so uh, I think it's between Big Thief and Car Seat Headdress for me because... Damn. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. I, I think, think if you do the whole catalog, but if you exclude the first Fleet Foxes album, that hurts them. Yes. I think I think because... And I think I love their latest album, but I don't think it has had a big effect on me Yeah, as really any of the four Big Thief albums. Yeah. That's um, fair. So then... Man, I don't think... I think Big Thief and Car Seat Headrest are so. I can't give it to either of them on like songwriting. Uh, you could give it to Big Thief on recording quality, but uh, Car Seat Headrest still has not had. Yeah. The the ideal recording experience. I think I'd give it like at a tech. I think I would give it due to the fact that Big Thief has four. Yeah. Albums that I love. Like I think I'd probably give put that over car seat headrest but it's not an easy choice well i will point out the runtime of the like two car seat headrest album probably approaches the runtime of the four big thief albums yes um uh so for me uh i just have i'm just gonna pick radiohead and (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the right answer that's what it was (laughs) oh man this was actually a really. This is uh. This was not an intro bit. This was actually a fun exercise that I thought I was going to be annoyed at. Yeah, I thought it was going to annoy you too, and it did not. Yeah, uh, it was actually interesting. Um, well, first of all, I mean, you know, despite some glaring omissions and uh, weird seating, um, I mean, they're just a lot of. Yeah. We ended up with a, a two handfuls of great bands in here, you know. Yes. Um. So I'm typing into the finals box. Uh. Uh. Uh, I'm typing Big Thief, Radiohead, Car Seat, Headrest, Hot Three Way, and uh, to be decided later. Uh, I do feel like I do feel like there's a chance that an Adrian Linker, um, Will Toledo collab could rule. Yes, it would be I, fun. That would that would potentially work if they were like if they gave it their all. You know, I like I was remember today. I have the waves cloud nothings collaboration and it's like mm-hmm. that's really good and i feel like it wouldn't it wouldn't be any worse than that i think yeah. that's just a solid rock album yeah or like the kurt vile courtney barnett collaboration maybe you didn't like that i can't remember yeah, it was I fine it. it was yeah. fine yeah i liked it um but i feel i feel like uh courtney barnett also uh arguably should have been in this list but um she could have yeah she should have been in there over the drums I can't. Yeah, the drums being a two seat is the single stupidest thing about this list. I think. Yeah, are they? When they probably shouldn't have been in right at all. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm happy with with. I'm happy if Car Seat Headrest were win this or Big Thief. Like, I think they're both. Yeah. I'm just surprised about Big Thief getting this far. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have necessarily guessed, but like, I just it, it's like there's a a sense of respect that I have for what they've done. Just as a like, how how can you even do that? Yeah. Um, thing that in a comp when you're when you put it in a competitive frame, 
seems important. I think we're probably also, as you said, like slow, realizing that Adrian Linker is like not just very good, but just yeah. unbelievable, unbelievably unbelievable. talented. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Paul, this is great. Uh, and we, um, we learned a lot, decided nothing. Mm-hmm. It's the way it should be. <laughs> yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool like the best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar freestyle for you and your mind. Come on, yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast. Slightly above average, at least nah. Preference is relative. My references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery. Elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower. See how dissolving the power is dissolving the hours as well. The tower fell to the top of it. Uh, and welcome to Savage Beast. I'm Joe Gallagher. With me, as always, it's Joe Biden's director of youth outreach, Paul McLeod. Things are going great. Um, Joe is personally actually leading this. I'm uh, mostly just a conduit for the things that he wants to do. Um, but we have uh, printed up one uh, hundred thousand uh, buttons, uh, pins that say, uh, hey, Mac. And that's our youth <laughs> outreach program dang that's it's powerful stuff yeah that's how we're gonna take this country back for decency a corn pop in every home <laughs> a, a, a corn pop in every corn hole <laughs> oh my god it's pretty good oh man i can't wait i really just can't wait for the white house press corps to feel like comfortable going to work again yeah, I that's. Think, I think that's gonna be so good when Biden wins and we finally solve that problem. That's hey, that's justice for workers, man. That's what we're <laughs> fighting for. It's uh, it's gonna be so great when um, we never have health care in this country. I'm really looking forward to that. I anyway, wanna, everyone should know that I gave Paul five to one odds on <laughs> Trump Trump winning. Mm-hmm. So if if Biden no 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 no, 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 other way around. Yeah, on Biden winning the Democratic nomination. No, our bet is about Biden beating Trump. Mm-mm-mm. I was sure, certain that it was uh, who would be the Dem nominee. No, because I, I I was like Trump will crush Biden, and then I said. I'll bet you, I guess, four to one. Okay, well, now I need to write a whole script to go search the chat for when we had this conversation. <laughs> because, I mean, either way, um, you are looking good. I Because I don't think that – I don't know. We'll see. Maybe there are two bets, and I forgot about the other one. Wait, so no, you win if Biden wins the general election. So I thought that the bet was <laughs> – I seriously thought that the bet was whether Biden would be the Democratic nominee. Um, and you were sure this you were proclaiming, oh, I can even see how this happened. Yes. Because you probably jumped into the chat saying, oh, my God, Biden is going to get crushed by Trump. And I said, no, he won't be the nominee. And then we made a bet 
about those two different propositions simultaneously. That's, there you go. All right. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll just have to recommit to a new bet at some point. I mean, either way, you're likely to win because I agree that Trump will crush Biden. Um, yes. And I, Biden is also probably going to be the nominee. Now, at the time, I said that I, was, that I liked my odds just on the chance that Biden would die before it happened. And I mm. still have – that's still my best chance, really. That's true. Uh, so we'll see. Um, well, then, uh, look forward to our debate cover – our election coverage. <laughs> exactly. Um, look forward to our election gambling coverage. Uh, so, Paul, today we're talking about Senator Isaac Brock. Mm-hmm. From the He'd state be a of, good senator, actually. I would probably, yeah, yeah. I think he's probably on his way there, frankly. Um, uh, senator Brock being the leader of the '90s indie rock uh, pantheon level band Modest Mouse. Yeah. Um, who we are discussing because it is the 20th anniversary of the Moon in Antarctica. Absolutely. An album that earned. 10.0s from Pitchfork and us. Uh-huh. The two most important critical musical outlets <laughs> in the world. Um a solid 10.0 from the day I heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh truly fantastic. Yes. Still still uh hearing new things on it too. Mm-hmm. I got to say. Um yeah, well, well maybe we can delve into that when we get to that album with our discussion. Yes. Uh with our gimmick so we picked we each picked uh one song uh from each of modest mouse's uh core three albums peak three core three mm-hmm. um uh it's certainly it's, it seems like a single piece of work uh these three albums from the 90s in a way or a single story you like kind of i don't want to be too literal yeah that's fair though i know what you're saying yeah um, and having listened to all three in a row previously, <laughs> I feel qualified to discuss this. Um, oh, I did not do that. Uh, not not for this. I mean, oh, okay. I have done that in my life. Um, I have never done that still, I don't think. Anyway, congratulations. That's pretty cool. Um, it was in the middle of a road trip, so you know how that goes. Um, <laughs> uh, so the three albums are, this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about. The Lonesome Crowded West. Uh, those are 96 and 97 and 2000s the moon and antarctica mm-hmm. um and uh paul let's get, let's just get into it with our our choices from this is a long drive all right uh do you want to go first or should i you go all right i chose uh beachside property ah track okay. six yes yeah <laughs>
Why does this track, uh, what does it symbolize to you? Why does it stand <laughs> out? So uh, this one, um, you know, of these three albums, this is the one I've listened to the least because I came to it after I came to the other two. And in a lot of ways, it feels like a rough draft for the Lonesome Crowded West. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, it's basically the same musical elements. Um, basically the same concept of just making a really long fucking album of, uh, you know, uh, rambling, um, uh, wild indie rock. Um, and the Lonesome Crowded West is just like, uh, 15% better in almost every way. Um, so, uh, this album rules, but I never... Uh, it suffered from being the little, uh, the older yet you know smaller brother of one of my favorite albums ever. Um, anyway, yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm glad you agree to some extent. <laughs> um, there, uh, the other thing is that I could pick literally seventy uh, percent of any of the songs from any of these albums and um, be super interested in something about it. Um, so, uh, Beachside Property, though, still stood out because it's, um, you know, they do this thing where they, uh, especially on these three albums, where they have really long, weird, meandering song structures, and they have a lot of different flavors of what they're doing in terms of at least dynamics. Um, but this one puts some of the more extreme versions of all these things together. Um, it opens up basically with Isaac uh, screaming. Which is not like he never does, but um, here he screams for a little bit, and then um, we go into sort of like a, um, one of the goofy, like sort of almost like Appalachian um, bridge type things that they do sometimes. Um, and it's not really Appalachian, but that's what it makes me feel like. The little like I got no legs in that part, um, and then it. Goes back to rocking really hard, uh, but in a sort of more, um, I don't know, uh, from a more, um, re- uh, sorry, a state of mind that's a little more, a little less agitated than the beginning of the song. Um, and meanders to a long instrumental conclusion that's really good. Um, I don't know, it just feels like sort of a weirder prototype for what Modest Mouse um, came to do really, really well. And I appreciated that about it when I was listening to it again. Yeah, that's. I think a lot of those songs fit that for me. I think uh, yeah. Tundra Desert was one that stuck out as just this kind of classic Modest Mouse. Yeah, that one is almost like the prototype. Yes. Yeah, they kind of, and just the way they lurch from um, quiet yeah. to loud. Um, uh-huh. That's the that's the prototype of the Modest Mouse song that it's like two totally different songs smushed together that sounds really cool. Yes, you know? and there's an there's an aspect that uh, to all of their work that I think I really started to carefully note with these listens that is you know these how experimental a lot uh-huh. of this is as rock just in terms of structure and composition. Um, I could not agree with you more on that. Like, yeah. I was listening to it and I was like, this is like, I just don't feel like I very often get music this like wild um, out of the indie rock scene specifically anymore. Yeah. 
and they everybody's probably, too polished and accomplished. I don't know. And I think they probably even got painted back then as just more like kind of punk or rebellious or like actually indie for this rather, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, they're doing a lot of that to go against the grain and not really getting enough credit for the uh, their artistic motivations for um, writing. Yeah. It's like six minute long multi-part rock songs. Yeah. Which again are seriously weird. Uh, you yes. just mentioned that like the, the part in the middle of beachside property where he's doing some sort of like, I don't know, like high pitched rap, almost, like hillbilly rap almost mm-hmm. is um, uh, very strange, but it actually, it's not just that it's weird. You know, he, it fits with the whole, the whole aesthetic makes sense, especially when you listen to um, an hour and 15 minutes of it in a row, um, which you get on both of these first two albums. Yeah. Um, and I, I was I was fascinated to find on this album that there were a few songs that um, even hint towards their, their poppy destiny, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I think Novocaine Stain was one of them that just had uh, a, a beat in it that was... V- very reminiscent of what would start happening, even start happening on moon in Antarctica and kind of take over all of modest mouse after that. Yeah. A little bit. Um, and yeah, now I'm, now I'm remembering like the uh, hook to Ohio mm-hmm. where he'd sit like yodels the word Ohio. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a very weird album. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, the, uh, uh, also, this would have been a full double album in the vinyl era. Absolutely, um, yes. And this is just like three dudes just playing mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of songs for, as far as I know, in almost total obscurity at the time. Yes. Um, just playing the tiniest venues all over the country. Some great footage on YouTube of them from this time. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I should look that up. Uh, they seem to barely... I mean, it just it seems like they're just about to all like fall off the stage and the stage is going to collapse. Um, it's uncontrolled energy. Um, uh, yeah. And so I think the second half of this album, uh, there's a really nice run of songs that comes on starting with Tundra desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the penultimate one is, uh, my choice, which is make everyone happy. Mechanical birds. <laughs>
yeah, that's the um, uh, the first uh, part of make every well probably the part that's called make everyone happy um uh and uh a slow kind of banjo-y uh acoustic modest mouse lament um that builds an incredible uh rock crescendo and mechanical birds um with the just this pile driving bizarre riff riffing that does sound like mechanical birds um uh just kind of fading in and out and uh it's uh it's it's an incredible climax to um the song it's a really cool build and uh it makes it makes it uh it's actually one of my favorite modest mouse songs and i think shows kind of like brings this album together Now, Paul, I cannot hear you. Okay, I've had my mic turned down the whole time there. There you go. Um, <laughs> Were you saying smart things? No. Um, actually, yes. Uh, some of my best. Anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was agreeing with you through most of that. Um, oh, I was even making the sound of um, the guitar that you referred to yes. at the end of the thing. Yes. That thing. Um, anyway, uh, now everybody gets to hear it. Um, this is a great song. It's crazy how many like incredibly um, powerful epics they stacked at the end of uh, a really long album. Um, I this is uh this is going back to our big thief discussion earlier like uh just a ridiculous amount of um great music from this band um in this little th- like what is it like a five-year stretch yes we're talking about here yes. four um yeah. and uh this song absolutely rules and um what i knew would be great about this podcast is that both of us would be able to pick songs that the other person had not even considered picking <laughs> that we would both yes. agree were awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it's a great song for sure. Um, for the reasons you described. Yes. Uh, and, and I, I think there, um, that is definitely a great way to summarize this five year run of modest mouse. You can't pick the wrong song. Um, mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And there's some, some touches at the end of this, like the way they kind of break up those hard rocking parts with the weirdest of the bird sounds mm-hmm. and they kind of come back like a little less controlled and a little louder each time. Um, and there's particularly one time where the, when they come back, the, the, the snare drum comes back first, just, uh, kind of banging out the beat that's that's fantastic um modest mouth modest mouse uh rhythm section different podcast (laughs) almost like we could devote to it oh yeah yeah uh so good i think we're going to devote more of this podcast to it so yes that's all right um so yeah this album is great uh i think i to in the interest of time i would just say it's it's worth revisiting Um, oh yeah if you're like us and kind of get stuck on moon in antarctica and the lonesome crowded west i mean like i want to be clear like i didn't even 
uh, pick my favorite song. I decided not to just look at this as my favorite song. Yes. Um, like, Drama Mean is a song, the opening track, that comes into my head all the time, especially mm-hmm. when I'm driving because it sounds like driving for a lot yes. of reasons. Um, and it's about that. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess I should also note that my favorite song in this album talking shit about a pretty sunset we have discussed yeah exactly uh, at length on this podcast and that probably is the best song on the album it's so good yes we just we didn't even mention it and it's the song right before this one yeah which also rules yes um yeah okay my turn we're moving to the lonesome crowded rest Mm -hmm. uh wait let me look at the copyrights on these yeah these albums are only a year apart but (laughs) that's insane i know they released two and a half hours of awesome music in like, I mean, maybe it was up to 23 months apart. I don't know, but um, a very short amount of time. Yes. Uh, plus all the B-sides that they wrote and recorded that are on uh, Building Nothing Out of Something. Which are, weird. yeah, which is another, by itself, like another would be, for any yeah. other band, would be like their best album Absolutely. for a lot of bands. No question. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so... Um, you really uh, just now one thing that I noticed listening to this album again on my now audiophile level equipment as opposed to the shit headphones I was introduced to this on um, is like uh, I kind of think of Lonesome Crowded West as a lo-fi album and um, this is a long drive for someone to uh, for someone with nothing to think about definitely is somewhat lo-fi mm-hmm. but Lonesome Crowded West uh, it's not maybe perfect recording, but it sounds pretty good. There's like a lot of power in the snares and the bass just really rolls well. And uh, Phil like did a good job, I guess is my point. Yes, absolutely. And you can tell the difference from that album to this one. Um, so my choice here is another one that is, um, it's probably not even my top five favorite songs on this album. Um, but uh, Heart Cook's Brain, the second track. Nice. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. So uh, this song, um, you know, it's uh, it certainly when I first started listening to this album, which is the first Modest Mouse album I got into, uh, I wouldn't have thought it held a candle to the song before it, Teeth Like God's Shoe Shine, which completely rules. Um, but I wanted to pick this song for a couple reasons. One, um, actually the rhythm section that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bass on this song just rolls so well. It almost makes me feel like I'm on a ship, like in heavy seas, just listening to it. Um, The way it just sort of rocks back and forth. And the snare drum um, 
every time Jeremy, what's his face? I used to know his name, uh, hits it. Um, it's just, I mean, it's recorded well, but it's also, it feels right on the beat. Um, and then, um, you have, uh, the lyrics are sort of just like a, um, uh, you know, uh, Isaac Brock sort of doing his thing at like maximum, um, just like trying to show off how many little sort of inversions of common sayings that turn into, um, oddly insightful aphorisms when he fucks with them, uh, thing. And he just like lays a whole bunch of them out for you. Um, like even something like my brain's the cliff and my heart's the bitter buffalo, which is not an inversion of a common saying, but just a weird image he came up with is um, oddly compelling. Uh, the, <laughs> yes. the idea of a suicidal buffalo jumping off a cliff. Um, do, is, is that a thing? Am I, am, I not, am I not aware that buffalo are known to kill themselves? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think they even live near cliffs, to be honest. Um uh, but somehow the image works, and um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Also, just the title "Heart Cook's Brain" is um, right on the nose for a young man. Yeah, and I think that that's when Isaac Brock's not being incredibly like witty and funny with his lyrics. He's doing these like strange images that are oddly yeah. just totally familiar. Uh huh. And then lastly, I have to mention. Um, that this is, track includes scratching on a gramophone that mm-hmm. again somehow uh, is incorporated seamlessly into this sort of like weird loping uh, down uh, low key indie rock song. Um, yes, it's 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 such a distinct sound. Like you can I can call it to mind mm-hmm. instantly. And that's this whole song. It just kind of like it starts out with a couple of measures of like really simple, like one note guitar, one night, the note on the mm-hmm. bass. And then just lurches into like, yeah. Uh, a cl- absolute classic modest mouse sound and groove. Gr- yeah. yeah. Um, that's this whole record has those grooves on it. And, um, it's just one of the many things they do. Um, so much better put so much more time into thinking about or something some just the way they're able to like build songs like this is unique you know yeah um where they're like expansive but there's uh, a lot of um i there's there's an obsessiveness to what you know every little sound like every note Mm -hmm. is doing for the song yeah, no, there's a little, there's a point even where he throws a little like guitar fill into a transition that's not there anywhere else when they make that same transition. It's like a little thing, a little bent note. And um, even like that little moment uh, is indelibly stamped in my head. Like I can pull it up at any time. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's. Uh... I mean, he's a he's a fantastic guitar player and mm. definitely like maybe the most creative of this period. Nobody, this period for sure. Yeah, I well, no, I I might have said this on the podcast before, but like after like uh, Radiohead released Kid A and then I got into Aphex Twin, I had this sort of stupid callow young man phase of being like, wow, guitar music is over. I mean, I've heard the best of it. Where, where can it even go from now? 
And then hearing just the way he uses the whammy bar on this album was literally the thing that made me be like, oh, okay, yeah, guitar music still totally rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can still go all kinds of places because I had never heard anything like that before. Um, uh, but yeah, especially on like Teeth Like God's Shoe Shine, he's like, you know, they're just slamming through these riffs and then he's crushing the whammy bar and it's a weird sound that nobody else does. I don't know. Yes. Um, yeah. Or if anyone else tried to do it, they would be just immediately accused of straight <laughs> up copying Modest Mouse. Exactly. Um, so for my song for this album, I picked uh, uh, going against you and picking my favorite songs from these two albums, pretty much. <laughs> I'm a trailer trash, which is uh, oh, yeah. my I favorite. I knew that was your favorite. <laughs> yeah, favorite. it's my favorite Modest Mouse song um, with, uh, you know, just... Um, winning over many choices out of many choices because of you know nostalgia and overall Mm -hmm. sentiment um This song, there's a lot of amazing things about this song. Um, if you if we take if you accept that it is an, uh, a fantastic song, um, the fact that it the structure of it is like when you start thinking about it, quite bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, it's two. It repeats the exact same lyrics twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, when I started thinking about it, um, you know, I should say this this uh, kind of a I want to call it a, a, a white trash rock lament. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, and, you know, the second verse come, it comes. It's, it is exactly the same. I feel like the key is slightly bent and there's this little more tension from the repetition. And I, you know, wouldn't be surprised if it speeds up a little in this urgency. Um, yeah. And then I was trying to figure out the, the structure of the song. And I almost think that, you know, th- this song is, goes chorus bridge, chorus bridge. And then, th- or I'm sorry, excuse me. It goes verse bridge, verse bridge. And then this final uh, mm-hmm. instrumental chorus um that is kind of this is a release of the tension um and during which i feel like the 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 bass is almost playing like the vocal melody 
of the chorus yeah like what it would be um and uh uh and overall that um uh there is a um uh a second guitarist dan gallucci who i believe is playing the uh uh playing along with isaac brock i'm not sure if he's playing the lead or the the they're kind of both lead guitars at this point um but um huh. yeah he's not credited in the credits i'm looking at no uh, he is yeah he's on well if you look at wikipedia he's on there um, and i remember that from the liner notes too um there's a few songs on here that have a second guitarist um got which, it yeah the fact that these songs only the fact that he played a lot of these songs live without a second guitarist is just yeah, when I saw them, I mean, every uh, both times I saw them, there were extra musicians. But even the more stripped down one, they were they had an extra touring guitarist. Yes, I don't think, you can't do most of their songs without he, two guitarists. He, that's what I kind of like those older videos on YouTube because it's just the three of them. Ah, <laughs> damn! Like some of these songs. Um, but yeah, so I love Trailer Trash. I think that the um, uh, it it really shows the richness of the the lyrics. Um, that he could write the stories he could write with his lyrics. Um, yeah. And, uh, and includes a fun part where everyone gets to yell snakes when you see them in concert. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, this song is, um, uh, an obvious choice. It's so good. Um, there's, uh, uh, you don't even need to fall back on nostalgia, uh, for it. Um, but you're right. Like just, uh, just the opening image, eating snowflakes with plastic forks. I, this guy would like sail through an MFA program. Yes. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's one of the, it's it's one of those interesting songs where it's like it's hard to tell exactly how much of this is supposed to be Isaac Brock and how much it's supposed to be sort of a character. Um, uh, although I guess I'm looking at the genius notes on the side and apparently he sort of talked about it as being autobiographical, but overstated. Um, right. Which is fair. That's kind of what music is supposed to do is like really crystallize one little thing that is not necessarily the whole thing. Oh, it's about Oregon. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I agree with everything you said. Um, it's another example of, you know, how they, their thing what their structure was like we're just not going to do the normal structure we're just going to smash things together and in a way you sort of eventually start to realize how they do that is like a there are a certain number of ways they do it but um they do it so well and it is different from everybody else so uh everybody else is just repeating a structure over and over again but they didn't come up with a new one um and then also i guess there's also just one little extra element that um you know, it's called trailer trash and it's so obviously about, uh, trailer living. Um, and I for one have lived in a trailer, but it was in the backyard of a friend of a family friend's house. So that was, um, not the same thing as living in a trailer park. Um, but anyway, um, you know, the, the trailer trash are the, um, the, on the the uh <clears throat> sorry the sub uh, what's the the lumpen proletariat of our society that don't even have race as an excuse so honestly um <laughs> they're in a lot of ways the saddest of the underprivileged people in our society and um just that association in my mind 
um, really goes well with uh, the content of the song. And also, I mean, just the melody of the verses um, is, you know, one of those things that's both catchy and beautiful and also just sounds so painful. Yes. Uh, even if there weren't words to those sounds, it would be it would sound mournful. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's an incredible song. Yeah, again, it's it's doesn't make any sense that eating snowflakes with plastic forks and a paper plate, of course, think of everything is like moving but they are yeah. moving words when sung this way yeah and, uh, and you know think about that you know for trailer trash it's like sort of like um you know enjoying uh sort of it's like they're an attempt to class up a sort of like you know dumb kid activity that literally everybody can participate in if they're around snow um that sort of speaks to the trailer trash thing. I don't know. Now I'm getting political. All yes. The <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to get us back on track, one thing that I knew and forgot when I uh, and remembered again when I looked this when I was doing research for this episode was that this album was produced by Calvin Johnson, who is the one of the founding members and the lead singer of Beat Happening. Oh yeah, um, and who released is, a pretty decent album in the last couple of years? Yes, which is kind of crazy. Um, uh, I thought Phil Eck produced this album. I, mean, I guess I was totally wrong. Nope. Um, Did he do the first album or the previous album? Uh, he may have. Uh, I have to click back. Um, no, that was Steve Wold. Why do I think that Phil Eck ever produced Modest Mouse? I don't know. Maybe he did a later album. Well, he didn't. I, I don't think so, actually, because I know those ones, too. Anyway, go ahead. Um, that's it. That's yeah. cool. Um, let's get to the album that uh, kind of uh, that that prompted this entire discussion. Yeah. Hold on. No, I'm Googling what he did for Modest Mouse. Okay, this says he did do the Lonesome Crowded West. That's not what anything I'm seeing says. Okay. Uh, he... Re- Oh, okay, here it is. The engineer he, it. He uh he recorded Teeth Like God Shoe Shine doing the cockroach and cowboy dance. Ah, there you go. And I screwed that up in my head too. He did a whole lot more than he did. So, there you go. Um Phil Eck is the 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 built to spill guy, just so yes. for anybody who doesn't know that. Yes. Um Okay. Anyway. Continue. Uh, moon yes. in Antarctica. The Moon in Antarctica. Um an album that is sort of pretentiously named, but also um this album does feel as cold and deserted as those places, so I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. Um Okay. So I am actually choosing on the spot because I love so many of these songs when I listened to them just now. And I'm going with Lives, track 13. Nice. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. Okay. Everyone was afraid in their own life. You could be anything you want to be You'd be disappointed, am I right? No one really knows the ones they love If you knew everything they thought about You'd wish that they'd just shut up 
Well, you were the dull sound of sharp math when you were alive. No one's gonna play the harp when you die. And if I had a nickel for every damn dime, I'd have half the time. Do you mind? Everyone's afraid of their own lives If you could be anything you want to bet you'd be disappointed Am I right? 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 It's our lives It's hard to remember It's hard to remember section at the end there i know i'm gonna get into it all right um okay so once again not my favorite song on this album um which is third planet that we've talked about a lot yeah third planet there's so many good ones man (laughs) um oh before i go on i should mention this is an excuse to mention my honorable mention things i wanted to point out i think the first two modest mouse songs that you personally sent to me when we were in college were uh, Polar Opposites from the Lonesome Crowd West and The Stars Are Projectors from this album. Yes, because those were the first songs by Modest Mouse that I liked because it took me a long time to get into them. Yeah, and I wasn't into them at all. And um, especially Polar Opposites, I listened to and I was like, uh, it like clicked for me that like this is what indie rock sounds like and indie rock <coughs> excuse me, rules. <coughs> Sorry, coronavirus. Um, and, That'll get uh, you. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, anyway, um, uh, I, I'm fucking up by not listening to it. So anyway, I wanted to mention those songs for those reasons. Um, and The Stars of Projectors is probably like what I feel like is the best song on this album. It feels like the centerpiece of it anyway. Um, and maybe we'll talk about it in a sec. I don't know. But anyway, Lives. It's a very simple song for this album. Um, at least in the beginning parts, uh, the um, the arpeggio is just pretty straightforward <laughs> as the main like sort of melody. Um, it does have a little bit of the sort of like backmass guitar that Brian Deck uh, brought to this album, and um, that I uh, it's uh, Brian Deck's work on this album is my favorite, some of my favorite production ever. Um, but anyway, this uh, uh, starts out really simple. It is, once again, a little bit of a compendium of Isaac Brock's uh, hilariously bitter um, inversions of common sayings. If you could be anything you want, I bet you'd be disappointed. Am I right? Is like It's almost the pinnacle of the form. Um, <laughs> um, yes. It's so good. Um, but then um, uh, the dull sound of sharp math. That's another great image. But anyway... Um, then when it does that shift that we just listened to and we get into what genius is calling bridge one and the whole musical backing totally changes, you know, we add a violin and the guitar gets a lot different and he starts singing. Um, he kind of starts singing the same different versions of the same thing. It's hard to remember. It's hard to remember alive, uh, for the first time. And then for the last time before you die, I such a, sh- it's hard to remember that our lives in such a short time, all kind of. It almost starts to be a little like 
too straightforward and on the nose. For somebody who's so good at coming up with oblique images, um, this is a remarkable passage, especially coming late in this extremely bummed out album. Uh, this is a remarkable passage of him speaking like just uh, directly. And it's almost too plain, almost too cliche, but then he saves it by, by shifting from, it's hard to remember that our lives are such a short time. It's hard to remember when it takes such a long time. And then just going to, it's hard to remember. Uh, it's hard to remember, um, which I think is a sort of, I just really like the way that sort of like sands off the edge of the idea of the lyrics there. And then he gets into um, some of the most uh, just directly in pain lyrics he's ever done. Like all of his lyrics are sad and bummed out almost not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, but they're usually like, he's, he's going out of his way to be poetic most of the time. And here he just says, my mom, she is a witch. <laughs> Uh, my hell comes from inside, comes from inside myself. Why fight this? I also like that he says, I like this in the middle of that, which is mm-hmm. almost hard to parse. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, it's like, uh, I just, uh, just listening to it again, you know, I remember f- feeling like, well, this is a little on the nose, Isaac. But then thinking about it in the context of how he normally does things um, and just how effectively he performs it in the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually hits um, for somebody to just be saying, like, my hell comes from inside me. A totally stupid lyric if you didn't set it up with basically three albums of um, artful ways of saying it in other fashions um, before this. E- yes, and I think that in so many of his songs, um, Isaac is talking to himself with these things and, like, having mm-hmm. a, a heated argument um with himself and about like kind of his his failures and whether he should you know his successes and failures whether they matter like what yeah you know, trying to figure out what matters to him like but um, but but as you know good art must like in a way that at least as an angry young man i felt very uh in tune with you know, yes oh totally about, it wasn't just like reading isaac brock's diary no 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 yeah no yeah. but that's kind of like what it's i think that's what kind of makes um a, a lot of th- th- that flow the flow of the the sentiments here so effective is that he is able to um kind of relate that in a way that is just th- so uh um dramatically compelling um mm-hmm. you know it's like a, a, a it's not a journal it's like a it's like they're like powerful passages from a memoir almost um or, yeah. uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And, um, uh, and there's certainly a strong undercurrent of like a young man's depression, um, mm-hmm. in all of this that, that, uh, you know, spoke, spoke to me at the time and occasionally now as well. Um, oh man, 10 minutes before we started recording this, I was listening to <laughs> what people are made of, which I will stop talking about if I'm spoiling anything for your section, but, um, you I not. got, I got fucking heated just listening yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The power of this music is, is something that's, um, uh, the, the power of, of all of these songs to become instantly personal, um, for the listener is, um, it's, it's still a little hard to, to parse what, how, how he, how they do it, but I know. Um, 
Um, uh, I think that this song also uh, probably draws something out of what what makes Moon and Antarctica different from the other two albums we've talked about is that it has this wider palette of sounds and uh, can really quickly pivot between them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not just different songs mashed together. It's really just total control of what a song sounds like at any given second. Yeah. Again, God bless Brian Dick. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. He he (coughs) killed it. Um, uh, Yeah. So should we go into my... Yeah, if, if you're done with lives, uh, so am I. Sure. Well, I picked uh, um, Paper Thin Walls, mm. um, which, you know, this one, this case, not my favorite song on the album, but one that's in my head all the time and <laughs> that, that I come back to a lot. Um, definitely one of my favorites. Um, uh, there have but, been many times this song was just like, just utterly stuck in my head. These walls are paper thin and everyone hears every little sound. Everyone's a voyeurism watching me, watch them, watch me right now. think about it. it's uh you know laughing all the way to the bank so he's mm-hmm. saying i guess yes. i guess yes. what does it mean for it to be a long ways to the bank yeah yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful um yeah uh you just gotta keep laughing um uh i don't know you, else you might not be laughing by the time you get there i think that's the point is yeah like yeah you think you're laughing all yeah. the way to the bank but maybe you won't be yes um uh and yeah, this song, I mean, it shows that they are masters of indie pop in addition to being masters of just mm-hmm. alternative rock. Um, there's a ton going on in the background. There are some um, very interesting, I think, sample drums played. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even this this time listening to it again on better headphones, I noticed there was a very airy ethereal synth in the right channel for the verses like as a counterpoint to the frantic left guitar. Mm. Um, and in that section, we're talking about the, I guess it's, I guess it's the chorus, the laugh hard. I guess that's the chorus. I don't know. Who knows? Um, it is. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the guitar is kind of circling you in stereo. I think it's the lead guitar is actually kind of shifting from left to right. Um, and uh, it's, it's really this, perfect like bizarre art film that has like elements of 
horror and postmodernism <laughs> in it. Uh, and in conclusion, Modest Mouse rules. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, all fair. Um, you know, I would say that, like, um, I, 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 this is this will sound like it's some sort of like a Saturday Night Live reference, but I feel like I felt this way before I knew the famous skit. But honestly, like, Cowbell kind of like stops a song from being one of my favorite songs ever. Like, something about the Cowbell sound is corny to me. Right. Um, and this song has a little bit too much of it for it to be one of my favorite songs. It's still an excellent song. Um, and, um, uh again a lot of great isaac one-liners uh stuck together um probably they're shaking hands they're shaking in their shoes oh lord don't shake me down which is again pretty funny that probably inspired the bad album art that they later ditched on a reissue um but um yeah i don't you are correct I i i i think it's important what you note that this shows their like like full pop side that suddenly came out in force mm-hmm. on the next album yeah and was really there the whole time they just oh absolutely use it. yeah chose they they slowly chose to use it yeah their... they slowly got sick of doing the seven minute epic basically. yes and isaac brock is famous for being like totally on board with selling out oh did um, he say always. that yeah he's like i don't he's like like you work at mcdonald's i'm not going to type comments you know fair enough yes <laughs> um uh in his much funnier and elegant way but yeah he said yeah, he's yeah. like never gonna like he doesn't like turn down car commercials oh so that's fair The you know i actually yeah. don't especially uh post napster i don't blame anybody from licensing music to commercial entities just because there's no way to make money uh in this business anymore um but uh you know, you have to be careful that you don't start writing the songs for the commercials. Um, mm-hmm. ta- uh, who yeah. knows whether that worked out for Isaac? <laughs> um, Modest Mouse needed that <laughs> advice, at least artistically. <laughs> I think financially, it probably worked out. Yeah, well, fair fine. enough. It, you know, maybe he was maybe he was out of ideas anyway. Who has more than uh, three and a half excellent albums in them anyway? As we've discussed. Um, mm-hmm. But no. Uh, uh, an excellent song. I it definitely is so catchy. That's ma- mainly my experience of it. Is that there have been times when it was a little too stuck in my head, um, but uh, even that couldn't make me hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I should to point out your previous comment. Like, there's probably three short albums worth of material from this time, like from like this same period, like extra. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the whole building nothing out of something. And oh yeah, I, and then there's a night on the sun. Yeah. Which, oh yeah. Yeah. Has two or three incredible songs on it. Yes. So. Um, Absolutely. And again, these albums are all well over an hour. They were still in the '90s CD era where everybody was like, "Well, we got to use this whole fucking disc." Yes. And before they were like, oh, the only kind of physical media anybody would ever want to buy is vinyl. So now they're all going to be 42 minutes max or whatever mm-hmm. vinyl is. Yes. Um, which is actually kind of nice. I get annoyed when I go to Bandcamp and I uh, see that the album is 55 minutes long. Um, but, um, uh, you know, that makes me wonder, like, if I encountered Modest Mouse for the first time now, I would be like, oh, 74 minutes. 
fuck you. I mean, I would listen. <laughs> and I hope I would notice that it was awesome. But uh, I think it's incredible that they basically released three... Uh, you know, again, if we were talking about the pre-CD era, this is three double albums that ruled in a row. Yes. Um, that's, that's fucking impressive. Uh, arguably, nobody has done that. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I don't think it's... Well, I mean, I guess if you count the three best Pumpkins albums, like that's we state the state the criteria again. What was the phrase? Well, I was thinking like like essentially three double vinyl albums in a row that were just awesome. Um, I guess yeah. that actually has probably happened. But... Well, yes, but I mean, yeah, I mean, in this time, I mean, I guess that's probably built a spill. Is the yeah, and and I was saying the Pumpkins. I mean, their albums. Well, yeah, right. Doubles. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But. And if you give Melancholy credit for being a triple album, at least by vinyl standards. Um, But yeah. Um, No, uh, I I got to say, uh, going back and preparing for this episode um, with audiophile headphones on now, I was like, okay, so I need to go back and listen to more of the really old music that I kind of overplayed in my youth on the new equipment because there is more to be discovered Mm -hmm. and it is a new experience. And two, like, these guys are so good. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like, uh, was this just like a nostalgia thing? And then I listen, I'm like, no, it's so good. I was always right. You were, Paul. We always were. And we continue to be to this day. Uh-huh. Um, I think we've been talking for long enough now. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think Modest Mouse. Would Modest Mouse win the indie bracket, Joe? Like the 2010s indie bracket, if you transported them into the 2010s. Like with their 90s music? With the three albums we just discussed. Yes. Yes, they would. Yeah, that would not be close. <laughs> yeah, over Big Thief. I mean, that's what's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they have more. Yeah, no, that's... I, wouldn't, I, I don't... I, I honestly, it's not even close for me. No. It's, it's that crazy. Um. Yeah, it'd be interesting to do the '90s, just '90s band bracket. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, excluding the pumpkins. pumpkins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's uh. It's Dr. Dre. That's actually the answer to that yes, one. Yes, of course. Um. Uh. Okay. By the way, I, Dr. Dre like rapped on a song I heard recently. Like, oh, a, interesting! A fresh new song. Oh, there you go. That a like a actually a teenager played for me. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you I, go. I know. I was like, I didn't even know this existed. So there you go. Um. Good for you, Dr. Dre. Uh. Paul. Well, I have nothing more to say. Neither do I. Uh, people should rate, subscribe, uh, like, follow, um, all those things. Do it on like SoundCloud and iTunes and you know whatever else. And uh, you can also hit us up anywhere, and we might notice. Um, and if we do notice, we might talk about it. Mm, yes, one of us needs to start checking our Twitter again. Yeah, I it's no, I have my tweet deck open some of the time, and it's on right, there. There you go. Yeah, there we go. All right. Good night, Joe. Uh, good night. Mm-hmm.